Hi, it's Mark Sisson from MarksDailyApple.com. Enjoy this audio narration of a recent MarksDailyApple.com post by Tina Lehman. Subscribe to this podcast channel so you don't miss anything from the blog and read my daily posts on living awesome and much more at MarksDailyApple.com. The Definitive Guide to Chocolate Ah, chocolate, what a life. According to the Aztecs, the great feathered serpent god of wisdom and creation introduced the cocoa bean to mankind. It's likelier that it originated in the Amazon rainforest and wound its way north to Mesoamerica, whose inhabitants figured out they could domesticate, ferment, roast, crush, and mix cocoa with water, chilies, and spices to produce a bitter, intoxicating drink. It then took a boat across the Atlantic, learning Spanish along the way. Europe wasn't sure what to make of the bitterness until someone spilled a little sugar onto the drink. Cocoa quickly swept across the continent, giving rise to large corporations that persist to this day, like Cadbury, Nestle, Hershey, and Lindt. Today, chocolate is everywhere. It's part of the fabric of human experience. Why is it so good? Let's start with nine health benefits. Number one, chocolate contains healthy fats. Cocoa butter is mostly monounsaturated and saturated fat with very little polyunsaturated fat. And because most of that saturated fat is steric acid, which turns into oleic acid in the body and is well known for having neutral effects on LDL, even avowed lipophobes can happily and heartily gobble up cocoa fat. Cocoa butter has been shown in animal studies to protect the liver against ethanol-induced damage. Number two, dark chocolate contains lots of flavanols. Flavanols are an important class of polyphenols, the phytonutrients that have beneficial effects on oxidative stress, inflammation, and help produce beneficial hormetic stress responses. When it comes to polyphenol content and antioxidant capacity, Cocoa trounces the superfruits, acai, pomegranate, cranberry, blueberry, and almost anything else. The most studied polyphenol in chocolate is epicatechin, a flavanol. Number three, dark chocolate and endothelial health slash blood pressure. Epidemiological studies pretty consistently show that dark chocolate consumption is related to lower blood pressure readings. In Jordan, among Kuna Indians living in Panama, among pregnant women, and among elderly Dutch, this holds true. Controlled trials suggest this observation is probably causation. Cocoa consumption improved arterial flow in smokers. That's not too surprising as smokers have higher oxidative loads and high polyphenol foods help fight oxidative stress. What's really fascinating is the study that found 15 days of eating dark chocolate, but not white chocolate, lowered blood pressure, and improved insulin sensitivity in healthy subjects. The main difference between white and dark chocolate is the polyphenol content. Both types contain cocoa fat, so cocoa fat alone isn't enough to improve blood pressure. In another study, flavanol-rich dark chocolate consumption improved endothelial function while increasing plasma levels of flavanols. This indicates the flavanols had something to do with it. Another study used flavanol-rich cocoa to increase nitric oxide production in healthy humans, which increased vasodilation and improved endothelial function. And in another, the highest dose of cocoa flavonoids caused the biggest drop in blood pressure. 
Still another found that while dark chocolate did not reduce blood pressure, improve lipids, nor reduce oxidative stress, it did improve coronary circulation. Number four, dark chocolate is prebiotic. Chocolate is a good source of polyphenols and fiber, both of which act as prebiotic precursors for healthy gut bacteria. In spontaneously hypertensive rats, cocosoluble fiber lowered blood pressure, perhaps by reducing weight gain. Number five, dark chocolate and cardiovascular disease. In humans, both with normal and elevated cholesterol levels, eating cocoa powder mixed with hot water lowered oxidized LDL and APOB, a good barometer for LDL particle number, while increasing HDL. All three doses of high flavanol cocoa powder, 13, 19.5, and 26 grams a day, proved beneficial. If you're wondering, 26 grams of powder is about a quarter cup. It also works if you drink it with milk. Given the effects of chocolate on lipid peroxidation, we can probably surmise that it will also lower the risk of cardiovascular disease. And indeed, epidemiological studies suggest that this is the case. In a sample of over 2,200 patients, chocolate consumption was inversely associated with progression of atherosclerotic plaque. The association held for chocolate in general, and I don't think it's likely that everyone was consuming 100% raw cacao powder brimming with polyphenols. A study from this year from the same group got similar results. Chocolate consumption was inversely associated with cardiovascular disease. Number six, dark chocolate and insulin resistance. For 15 days, hypertensive glucose intolerant patients received either 100 grams of high polyphenol dark chocolate or 100 daily grams of zero polyphenol white chocolate. Diets were isocaloric and nothing differed between the groups besides the type of chocolate. Dark chocolate improved beta cell function, lowered blood pressure, increased insulin sensitivity, and improved endothelial function, while white chocolate did none of these things. Again, this indicates that it's the polyphenols, not just the cocoa butter. Number seven, dark chocolate and fatty liver. As mentioned earlier, cocoa butter is hepatoprotective in the context of ethanol consumption. These benefits seem to extend to other areas of liver health. Daily chocolate consumption is linked to lower liver enzymes. Number eight, dark chocolate and UV damage. One study found that feeding high levels of dark chocolate to healthy people over 12 weeks doubled their MED, or resistance to UV damage. Feeding low levels of dark chocolate had no effect on the MED. Similarly, another study found that people who ate high levels of cocoa flavanols had greater resistance to a given UV dosage than a low flavanol group over a six and 12 week period. And number nine, dark chocolate and aging. It seems like every time you read about the dietary habits of a centenarian, they're big chocolate lovers. That may not be a fluke, as chocolate has been shown to improve many aspects of the aging process. In postmenopausal women, high cocoa dark chocolate improves blood flow to the brain and periphery. It also reduces arterial stiffness. A 40-gram hunk of dark chocolate improves the ability of older patients with peripheral arterial disease to walk unassisted within two hours of consumption. That's wild. 
older folks who eat the most chocolate have better cognitive function and lower risk of getting type 2 diabetes. It's pretty clear that the older you are, the more chocolate you should eat. I'm certainly operating under that assumption anyway. Now, what are we talking about when we talk about chocolate? How's it made? After the cocoa bean is scooped out from its pod, it sits in piles for about a week to cure. This is heap fermentation, the first step in cocoa processing. During heap fermentation, yeasts degrade the mucilaginous pulp that surrounds the beans into ethanol. Bacteria turn the ethanol into acetic acid and carbon dioxide, and this raises the temperature enough to eventually kill the cocoa bean. Now dead with its cell walls breaking down, the bean experiences chemical reactions that develop flavor and color. Fermentation also reduces bitter compounds and phytic acid. Then, the bean is dried for a week or two, then roasted, then pulverized to form nibs. Sometimes that process is flipped. They pulverize the dry bean into nibs, then roast the nibs. The nibs are ground into a paste called cocoa liquor or chocolate liquor, which is combined with sugar, vanilla, and other ingredients to form the actual chocolate. This is also the point at which they make cocoa powder by pressing the liquor and extracting the cocoa butter. They'll further refine the cocoa, trying to reach the point at which the human tongue won't perceive individual particles. Once it's smooth, they'll conk the chocolate, which involves mixing and aerating the stuff at high temperatures to improve texture and mouthfeel. Soy lecithin improves emulsification and cuts down on the amount of conking required. Each step of the processing, um, process, reduces the flavanol content of the chocolate. This means the more raw the chocolate, the higher the flavanol content. But except for the explicitly raw bars, almost every finished chocolate bar undergoes fermentation, roasting, and conking. There's really no way around it. And even the, quote, raw chocolate probably isn't even raw. And if it were, is that even desirable? Fermentation and roasting all reduce phytic acid content, after all. Even the ancient Mesoamericans roasted their cocoa beans before eating or drinking them, and it's not clear if more polyphenols are always desirable. Besides, all those chocolate researchers aren't using obscure cacao products. They're not using raw, unfermented cacao beans handpicked by Aztec elders. They're using commercially available cocoa products subjected to significant processing, like 85% dark chocolate or unsweetened cocoa powder. And they still work great and produce excellent benefits. Powder. There are different powders out there. I won't discuss premixed sugary hot cocoa powders, just avoid them. Nibs. Nibs are like chocolate gravel, unsweetened. You can add them to smoothies, eat whole, or grind down to make your own cocoa liquor. Liquor or mass. Cocoa liquor slash mass is ground up cocoa nibs and beans in solid or semi-solid form. It's about equal parts cocoa solids and cocoa butter. You can eat this straight up like a maniac or use it to make your own chocolate. Bars and chips, the finished product. The percentage of cocoa in a bar, 100%, 85%, 70%, etc., indicates the amount of cocoa mass in butter. An 85% chocolate bar is 85% cocoa mass and cocoa butter. 15% other stuff, like lecithin, sugar, and flavorings.
how to eat. There's the obvious way, place and mouth and chew. I like to go a square at a time and really just let it sit on my tongue, slowly melt, and envelop my taste buds. This way, chocolate lasts longer and you need less of it to get the desired effect. You can also get creative in the kitchen. On today's post at marksdailyapple.com, you can find recipes for chocolate bark and spiced cocoa, plus a link to the dark chocolate hazelnut hearts also posted on the blog today, the perfect recipe for Valentine's Day. And next time you make chili, throw a bar of 85% dark chocolate in. How to choose chocolate. Easy, stick with dark chocolate. Milk chocolate is, for all intents and purposes, not a health food. The milk and extra sugar crowd out the cocoa. Some chocolatiers are starting to make milk chocolate with a greater percentage of cocoa content, which is an improvement, but you're still left with the huge sugar dose milk chocolate inevitably provides. Similar story with white chocolate. It's got cocoa butter, but no cocoa flavanols. Not a health food. I won't say never eat white chocolate or milk chocolate, just don't make them a health staple. When I'm talking about chocolate, I'm talking about dark chocolate. Aim for 85% cocoa content or above. You can still enjoy 72% cocoa chocolate, and I won't throw you out of the tribe just because you eat 66%. But 85% cocoa chocolate is really that sweet spot when things start to accumulate. The sugar content becomes negligible. The fat and fiber go up. The cocoa flavanols start gathering force. And if you can learn to appreciate it, the flavor is unmatched. Try your best to develop the taste. The first ingredient should be cocoa. Cocoa or cacao bean, cocoa mass, cocoa liquor, and cocoa powder are all acceptable. If milk or sugar or anything else comes first in the ingredient list, it's not high-quality chocolate. Avoid Dutch processed cocoa. The Dutch process alkalizes the cocoa, reducing the acidity and bitterness, but also the bitter flavanols responsible for making many of its health benefits. Finally, look for fair trade chocolate. Cocoa production has a long and storied history with slave and child labor, and some of that continues to this day, particularly in West African countries where most of the world's chocolate originates. Sticking with fair trade chocolate helps avoid this ethical issue, increasing the chances that the people who grow, harvest, and produce your chocolate are adults receiving fair compensation. What to eat. There are thousands of boutique chocolates out there. Most are probably good, so just eat what you like. Some of my preferred brands are Santa Barbara Chocolate Company, Who Kitchen, Addictive Wellness, Theo. Theo's 85% chocolate is actually one of my favorites right now. Eating Evolved. Bear, Trader Joe's, and Green and Blacks. What about heavy metal toxicity? A recent report from As You Sow, a consumer advocacy group, claims to have found dangerously high levels of cadmium and lead in many leading chocolate brands. Cocoa is often grown in volcanic soils which are relatively high in lead and cadmium, especially in Latin America. Cocoa trees are especially good at absorbing lead and cadmium from the soil and distributing it throughout the beans. Those metals persist throughout processing and wind up in the finished product, albeit, according to one study, at relatively low levels. I'm not sure how important this is. 
After all, the benefits of chocolate are clear and well studied. It seems to improve health and longevity, not curtail it. And some chocolate experts express skepticism at the reports, suggesting that the assays used to determine the heavy metal levels in chocolate are superficial and not definitive, criticizing the refusal of the advocacy group to publish their specific results, and pointing out that previous studies into lead and cadmium levels in cocoa found low levels. At any rate, many primal foods and spices like garlic, ginger, onions, green tea, as well as probiotics, spirulina, and chlorella have all been shown to reduce lead and cadmium absorption and toxicity. Chocolate is good for you, but it's still candy. I consider it to be a supplemental food, a medicinal ingredient to be used regularly but sparingly. Don't obtain a significant amount of calories from chocolate. If the heavy metal issue does turn out to be a problem, treating chocolate as a supplement will mitigate the consequences. And that's it for today, everyone. Now go eat some chocolate.